right, and welcome back to the Intern Podcast. It is already week 11, can you believe it? But I'm Jack McCauley alongside Luke Munger. We're here back with week 11 podcast as Washington heads down to Corvallis, Oregon, and arguably, actually inarguably, probably their biggest road game of the season coming off a win against Utah. Not only Pac-12 championship hopes on the line, but college football playoff hopes on the line. I guess first, you know, Luke, what'd you make of that Utah game? Obviously, there were some current concerns, you know, a couple weeks leading up to it prior with the Stanford and ASU game still in the back burner, according to the CFP committee, at least. Um, but then, you know, we're able to go against go on the road against USC, obviously, when Utah, how, you know, how you feel about this team so far? You know, that's a great question. I think it was a, overall, I'd say strong performance from the dogs on Saturday. It felt that Washington could move the ball very effectively. The defense, apart from a quarter, looked very strong. I think that they'll have their hands full this weekend against Oregon State. But I think overall there are positives to draw from. Oregon or Utah had the best pass defense in the conference in many statistical categories, and the Huskies were able to, in spite of a few non-calls on Roma Dunze, make some things happen. Uh, So I'd say overall positive. Jack? What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it was an overall positive too. You know, there are so many weird plays: the Tupatala drop, the missed field goal that you know definitely could have been, you know, a greater than ten point win, um, even two touchdown win. Honestly, with some things that happened and whatnot. Um, so I think it was a good game overall. Felt a lot of positives, especially in that second half. Defense was a concern, but I do want to talk to you one thing before we jump into the Oregon State breakdown. What do you make of this college football playoff committee putting Washington at five and Florida State at four? You know, I'm not surprised by anything at this point, unfortunately. it's I, I guess it's hard to justify, I feel like, on paper, but I think the committee has made up its mind that it doesn't think that Washington is a serious 10-win team. Um, and Washington just has to answer it on the field. I guess is what I would say, Jack. I'm I'm sure you have some thoughts. Yeah, you play play with your pads, right, Luke? You play with your pads, like Dan Landing would say. Built on substance. We're built on substance. Yeah, you know, actually, I have to be. I have to agree with Boo Kerrigan here on this one. I think you can't underestimate that that FSU Miami rivalry. You know, that goes back forever. You know that red bandana game. Oh my goodness! I'll tell you what. That red bandana game. That is one of the more emotional wins I've ever seen. Um, a team. Yeah, at Boston, I'm joking that, you know, I think it's complete crap. You know, the graphic they put up too with the resumes side by side. I think in Washington's in the better conference. I've never seen a team hang on to a week one win like Florida State has. You know, it's it's, uh, it's crazy. It gets me rattled up for sure. But I think that's kind of part of the reason why I wanted to bring it up before Oregon State, because I think it rattles up this well. And I'm glad that there's a little bit of extra motivation on the line for this team, you know, as they near the finish line for the season. You know, obviously going to be a hostile environment in Reeser as Oregon State checks in at number 11 on the CFP polls. You know, I guess starting on offense for this team, Luke, you know, they obviously have quite um, they had quite the headlines this season landing DJ Yui. Ulele out of Clemson in the portal. Damian Martinez obviously came off a fabulous freshman campaign. What do you make of this Beaver offense? Yeah, the Beaver offense is really excellent, I would say. Um, Damian Martinez and then as uh, I guess Deshaun Fenwick is where I would start. Fenwick and Martinez are combined, I think, 456 pounds. 
really big bruising backs, both very capable, averaging a combined well over six yards a carry. That is where they soften defenses up, just kind of beat them up in the middle. DJ Uyangalole has had an interesting season. He's completing less than 60% of his passes, but averaging over nine yards attempt. He also has six rushing touchdowns, 26 total touchdowns. I think that the Beavs run the ball very well. They put themselves in advantageous situations where they can take shots downfield. They're willing to throw it downfield with DJU. He's a capable runner. Um, and they've got a really solid offensive line anchored by Joshua Gray on the left side. Um, th- this Beaver offense, I think, is the real deal. And I think that they will move the ball. <laughs> I guess is what I'll say on Saturday. Jack, anything I missed there? Yeah, I think I do. The one, one thing I will say, though, you hit it like on the you know head on the nail as far as uh, personnel goes. But I will say something that goes to Washington's favor is I think they've really prepped for teams like this. You know, they face so many great teams that have, you know, really high explosive, um, amazing running backs, but they lack a little bit in the past game. You know, I think you can go really far back if you went to, you know, Michigan State, Boise State, you know, they have a great running game with USC, Oregon. You know, they face teams that have even Utah um, or Cal with Jaden I. You know, they face teams that have gave them or that have good good running games and whatnot. So I think Washington is very prepared for this. I think having Tuli Latuli Nasanoa back is absolutely critical um for this game. And I think it's gonna be a huge factor. I think in the passing game though, I honestly, you know, when looking kind of at the roster and players, I'm not too concerned about what they're gonna do through the air. I think they'll obviously get some chunk yardages. The one guy I will say definitely gives me a little bit of uh uh you know of, of you know i guess uh, frightens is silas bolden in the slot mm-hmm. he's just really explosive um you know josiah irish has had some moments here and there and same with anthony gould both experienced guys not guys that are gonna like burn you over the top multiple times a game or you know be two impact performers yeah i mean to that point they each are averaging at least 14 yards per reception i was surprised when i saw that dj is averaging uh, over a 12-yard average depth of target. He's at 12.1. For comparison, Michael Penix is at 12.9. He's definitely known as a gunslinger. So I think they're willing to push it downfield. It's not the largest group of receivers that Washington will pay or play from a physical standpoint, like just from how tall they stand. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think, I think back to the Stanford game, with Jabbar Muhammad and Eric Iomanner having a few moments where it just felt like they would maybe just try to pick on the size there. I wonder if that will be something that Jabbar Muhammad will maybe be able to kind of capitalize not being physically outsized on the corner or on the, I guess his side of the field. But I think that Oregon state builds their offense on their ability to run the ball and they're able to, from a result of that, make plays downfield in the passing game, make defenses really kind of pack the box and then try to pick on one-on-one matchups. I think it'll be interesting to see if Washington is able to force Oregon into situ Oregon state into situations where they'll have to throw the ball and they can drop a few more in coverage. I think a lot also will have to do with Washington. I mean, Oregon state's offensive line is really, really good, but where they excel is as road graders and just like, absolutely like pushing people around and creating running lanes for Fenwick and Damian Martinez. 
And if Washington is able to force them into third and medium, third and long, and make them keep DJU up, we'll see if Washington is able to get some pressure. One thing that worries me is DJU is just an absolute load. <laughs> so you know, Washington, I think, has had issues at times finishing in the backfield. DJU at 250 pounds. We'll see if Washington's able to get him on the ground if they have opportunities to get after him back there. Jack, what do you think about that? I think, though, you know, if you're unaware, Oregon, you know, kind of offensive line, Bagel team, Talese Fuaga, that guy is a load. He's He actually came out of the state of Washington. He's a Mount Tahoma product. He's an All-American, probably going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, honestly. Um, he is very, very good. Uh, and honestly, I, I, I kind of hate to go back to this, but Fuaga was one, one of those guys who was taken above, or he was not as targeted as Samuel Peacock in that draft class. So it's kind of interesting to go back, you know, to that class, whatnot. But anyway, to your point, Luke, this is a team that Washington, I think will have to get pressure on. I think the edges and Braylon, we are going to be a massive part in this game, not only for pass pressure, but holding the edge as well. I think if they have a good game, I think Washington has a good chance of winning, you know, getting some three and outs, you know, ending some yard, ending some drives. The long drives for Oregon State are the killer. They're going to want to play this game slow and tight. I agree. I think it'll be interesting. I think they'll rely on a pretty raucous crowd. I'm excited. I mean, just as a fan of college football, I'm excited to see <laughs> what Research Stadium is like on Saturday. There's obviously the reports of Jonathan Smith mentioning that they're consulting the fire department on exactly what the capacity actually is for that stadium to remain within fire yes. code and things like that. Right. That's, that's, that's really, it's really, Really cool to think about that too, especially like you know, I like you said, as a fan of college football, it's and it's fun to be a part of these big games too. You where you know you're the team traveling in and the team that's coming or that's prepping for you wants to sell the stadium and have the fire department check code and whatnot. For sure. Yeah. I mean, but to your point, I mean, while I do think that they'll rely on running the ball and maybe try to limit some possessions, they're also scoring 38 points a game. Like this is an offense that is capable of filling it up potentially. I mean, the 60-plus points that they scored against Stanford last week helps <laughs> that number. But certainly does. Yes. They are a team that is, I believe, are they 10th in the AP and 11th in the CFP because the CFP doesn't want to give yeah. Washington a top-10 win? <laughs> it's the Washington. They yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah unfortunately, the but, Boston College Red Bandana game is just, you know, yeah. um, it's, a, it's too high to overcome at this point. Yeah, but nevertheless, I mean, I think it's impossible to – overstate the significance of this game uh, and the toughness of this rival going back through stats. They're scoring nearly five touchdowns a game. They average almost 200 yards on the ground. Um, They're averaging 453 of total offense per game. Um, And I think their defense is really like strong. Don't want to take away from their defense, but unlike Oregon state teams, I think of recent when, uh, you think of them as kind of a defense first team. I do think this is one of the more electric offenses that Washington will face this season. Yeah. And to kind of going back to that defensive side, you know, I feel like so, so much recently, at least Oregon state has not only been extremely physical on defense, you know, up front, which remains certainly this year, but they've had a lot of talent and depth in their secondary. And I think if Washington's able to expose one era team, that's it. They produce some studs back there um, back both corner and safety over the last couple of years. But that just seems to be the position right now that's really lacking for the Beavers. So I think turning to the defensive side of the ball, 
Washington has to be able to throw the ball well to do well against this team. Yeah, it's interesting. The two games that Oregon State has lost this year, they've given up a combined 697 yards and seven touchdowns through the air. That was to Noah Fafita and Cam Ward. Um, That was the second to last time the Cougs scored 30 points. I think they still have some firepower in the back end. Akili Arnold, I think, is a really like veteran, experienced player that kind of anchors it down back there. He's one of many with a couple interceptions. And it's interesting. I, I feel like it's kind of a feast or famine secondary. Uh, they have five players with multiple interceptions this year. But at the same time, like you mentioned, they've had games where they've given up some numbers through the air. Uh, they're giving up 230 in the air per game. For comparison's sake, Washington just played Utah, who's giving up like 199 through the air a game and only allowing 50% completion. And Washington was able to move the ball against them. I think that, I don't know about you, Jack, this is pure speculation. I don't know what Giles Jackson's status is. Ryan Grubb mentioned that he's dealing with some injuries, but I expect that if he's healthy, that Giles Jackson will play. It sounds like Jalen McMillan will get some more tick. And I think that this has the opportunity for Washington to be the most, I guess, flushed out in the receiver room that they've been this season. I think that'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, it sounds like Giles Jackson, at least both him and Denzel Boston were kind of questioned, but from what it sounded like when Brian Grubb was talking, it sounded like Jackson was a little bit closer to returning than Boston. Not saying both won't or will return. And it sounded like, honestly, both were probably to returning. But it sounds like Washington's in good hands with Giles Jackson coming back to the field this week. You know, if if he is to maintain the red shirt, you'd expect him to play this week and sit out against Wazoo too. Yeah, absolutely. But I do, and, yeah, I do think Jalen pick is going to be something that's very interesting to monitor. Obviously, he was able to suit up last, but it's not like he made a difference or we saw him really at all. Sticking on the defensive side of the ball for the Beavs, I want to I want to point out Easton Macarenas. There was obviously, um, I, gosh, was it this offseason or earlier, or it was the year before that? The likes of like Omar Spates transferred out. Yeah, Omar Spates left this season to go to LSU. Yes, but nevertheless, I think Easton Macarenas has really emerged as a leader in the middle of that defense. He has five and a half tackles for loss. He's 11 tackles shy of 100 this season. He also has two interceptions. I think that he's a real anchor for this defense. Um, and they still have, I think, the firepower and ability to really plug the run. They're giving up three or 3.3 per carry. I don't know. That's what I've got to say there. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> Yeah, I think something funny to kind of inter- in, in interesting too to monitor. I mean, it's it kind of like you brought up Omar Spates transferred to LSU. He was their leader last year at Oregon. He was really the heart and soul of that defense. You know, definitely a big loss um, for them, sure. But it's funny because he's at he's at LSU right now. He only has thirteen tackles on the entire season. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting to think. One more guy, Andrew Chatfield, another person to keep an eye on on the defensive side of the ball. He has nine sacks this season, only 25 total tackles. Um, But it reminds me a little bit of Ellis last week from Utah, who I think had 11 sacks or 12 sacks going into that game. I believe that he was credited for the sack on Michael Penix, but Washington did a good job of keeping him at bay. I think Washington will really key in on motioning I don't know, Dylan Johnson or whoever it is in the backfield to that side of the ball when they're in max protect situations, trying to make life difficult for him. 
And if Washington is able to kind of effectively account for him, I think that similar to what we saw against Utah, that Michael Penix will have some time to move the ball downfield. Yeah. I think that too, you know, Washington's offensive line has been so effective. I think, you know, being able to give Penix time, you know, and expose that, 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 you know, foreseen hole when their secondary is extremely important. I think it's going to be a close game, kind of getting into just game breakdown, you know, what, not as a whole, I think it's for sure going to be a close game. You know, Oregon state's a great team at home. Like you mentioned, raucous crowd. Yeah. I mean, I, I think not enough can be said about this crowd. Yeah. I think this is a team that you have to play, you know, hard at the line of scrimmage with, and it's a team Washington. What they've done all year is they've gotten a drive when they need it. They've made a defensive stop when they needed it. And they've adjusted in the second half. I think it's going to be a close physical game. And I think all three of those things have to happen. If Washington is going to come out of research stadium with a W and be an 11 and 0. Jack, anything, I guess one more thing to kind of point out here for the Beebs. They, they have 12 interceptions on the season. They're forcing nearly two turnovers per game and they have a positive 10 turnover differential on the season. Washington obviously had that rough stretch where they were losing the turnover battle in three consecutive games. They were even with USC. They won that turnover battle last weekend. I think that'll be another key factor to kind of monitor. Yeah, I think it certainly is something to monitor too, you know, especially, but I think both quarterbacks too can get pretty sporadic at times. You know, Michael Penix, um, you know, someone told me he's good for one of those plays the game where he might just forget what he's doing or just try to fit one into triple coverage. So I think that, I think, like you said, that turnover battle is extremely important. Uh, you know, especially getting good field position against a team that's pretty hard nosed. I think it's very crucial, not only just for a good team, but a top 10 matchup, especially when you're looking to get stay undefeated and alive for that college football playoff race. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, Jack, which special segment do we start off with first? <laughs> I think we head out with the bet to bark and save the confidence interval for the for the second piece. Let's do it. Do you, do you want to start us off? I think I got you last week. Yeah, 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 you did. You did get me last week. So bet to bark this week. I'm going to start out on the offensive side of the ball. This guy, we haven't mentioned him too much in the bet to bark this year. But he's made big plays when he when when Washington beat him all year long. Last week against Utah, great game against Michigan State. Had a big play against Oregon and USC. I'm going Jack Westover. Westy, love that pick. I think that's awesome. He's been Mister Hands, especially in fourth downs. Yeah, I'm not saying he's gonna. Ha- I'm not saying he's gonna have the game too, where it's like five receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown. I think it's one of those like 
two or three reception games, but yeah. he might have a touchdown. But he's going to make one of those game-changing plays. And I think when I'm looking at bet to bark, I'm looking at a guy, you know, that just makes a game altering play. And I think Jeff Westover has proven this year that he's been able to do that. I'm going to go with another pass catcher. I want you to imagine right now, Washington potentially nearer to full health that it's been in the receiving room for a long time. There's big name future NFLers running downfield. And I think that Michael Penix underneath with yak opportunity is going to find Jeremy Bernard. Again, I don't know that oh. much more than three or four receptions, but after the catch, they find him on a crosser across the middle. He's got a safety or linebacker to beat, can potentially turn a 10, 15 yard reception into something much more. I'm excited to see Jeremy Bernard as my bet to bark. That's, that's, I, I was expecting you to say Giles Jackson, and you, you, you threw me a curveball with Jeremy. I like it. Defensively, Oregon State, we all know, is a team that loves to run the ball down your throat. Both running backs, as Luke alluded to, averaging over six yards a carry as a tandem, which means that I'm going to have to go with Washington's best run stuffer here. And I'm saying Tui Latui Nasanoa. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that in order to have a big emphatic win or even win the ball game itself, I think Tuli has to be a major presence. And I think in his arguably one of his biggest games of his career, I think he does that. Love that pick. You know, I think the Oregon State run offense is awesome. They've also thrown the ball very well this year, over 250 yards a game through the air. Like I mentioned, Oregon State has great receivers, not necessarily a ton of size. I think that playing at his relative size group is going to enable Jabbar Muhammad to come up with a few big pass breakups. And I think that he'll make life difficult for the Beavs when they are in passing situations and potentially steal a possession or two for the Huskies. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's a great call out too with Muhammad. He's been fantastic all year long for the secondary. Now heading over to confidence intervals, Luke. Obviously big game here. National televised ABC, 4.30 p.m. Where do you like the Huskies? You know, I'm already regretting saying this, but I'm going to go with a seven for Washington. I think Oregon State has been great. Uh, I saw that the average ranked top 25 team by a certain analytic would have a 78% chance of being eight and two with Oregon State's schedule. I think this will be Oregon State's toughest game. I think it's a big one for them. However, I think that Washington is going to be able to move the ball and score. I think that Washington's defense is opportunistic. I don't think it'll be pretty, but I I like the Huskies' chances is, I guess, just what I'm going to say. Jack, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I think seven. I, I, I love the seven, you know, you're 11 and no team and you played good in big environments and you played great against AP top 25 teams. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a six just because it is an AP top 15, top 11 team, top 10, te- 10 in the AP. So, yeah. I'm going to say a six. It's the biggest game on Oregon state schedule. Probably the biggest home game they've had in over a decade. I, I think it's a very tough place to go playing. But I do think Washington is the more talented team. They have a lot more on the line than Oregon State to play for. And I think they feel that and they feel a little bit of disrespect in that locker room with the line that went out with the CFP ranking. I just think Washington and they also I think with Oregon State, you know, not being as model tested in the secondary, I think is a big piece of this, too. All right, we're going to go really quick to picking the pack. I'm not going to do chronological because the game on Friday I might get to last. Interestingly, yeah, what, what are we at? What are we at too, standing wise? I have not done a good job of tracking. I think you might be up one or two. I don't more. think either of us have done a good job at all. Um, 
let's see. Last week, um, we we yeah. both had Arizona. I had WSU. You had Cal. So you beat me there. Yeah. So I think I think that was the one differential. Yeah. So, so that means I'm plus one in the home stretch. You're a plus one, and we're going to start with the only game in the Pac-12 that is not handicapped within one score. We're going to go down to Tempe, Arizona, where Kenny Dillingham is a 23 and a half point dog against the coach or against the school he was recently the offensive coordinator for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Jack, I think, you don't expect. Yeah, I think Oregon. I think Oregon wins this one, but this kind of does spell trap game on it. You know, you're prepping for Oregon State. You're playing a team that's been playing very hard recently. Not only that, they came up, they're coming off a big win. Kenny Dillingham knows the guys he's going up against it on the other side of the field. I think this this could spell trap game for Oregon, but I think they narrowly escape. I think Oregon wins and i think that they may be covered <laughs> i don't want to be oh okay, excited. So we're, <laughs> but, we're different side of the ball here yes yeah but we both agree that oregon wins we'll then go down to um i think let's go to the coliseum next a battle of los angeles teams we have lincoln riley chip kelly usc hosting ucla jack what do you like here yeah both teams aren't really in great spirits right now after USC, obviously a disappointing season. UCLA in a similar path as they've uh, fumbled a little bit recently as well. I think USC just outscores UCLA here. I don't think UCLA has the horses to keep up with USC. I think it's a close game, but with the Chip Kelly firings, you know, you rumors and whatnot, you just kind of wonder the motivation within that Bruin locker room. Absolutely. Yeah, I love USC in this one. I think USC wins. Um, I mean, if anything, Caleb Williams has his draft position to fight for. And the over-under is 65 and a half, which I think is absolutely wild. I mean, I think USC will score a little bit. I don't see UCLA scoring very much. And I think the over hit or the under hits very comfortably. <laughs> That's my opinion. Yeah. Gosh, I think we go next to, you know, some games are bigger than others. Let's go to the big game, as they call it, on the, the fans on the fields. Yeah. <laughs> We've got <laughs> three and seven Stanford Cardinal hosting Cal. Cal still has bull eligibility in its crosshairs. They are a six and a half point favorite on the road. Jack, what do you like here? Dude, I think this is actually going to be a really, really good game, probably on Pac-12 networks, but I still think it's going to be a good game. Um, Nonetheless, Stanford's a team that's been playing a lot better lately. They picked up some big wins. They've played Washington close, but I think Cal just has a little bit more on the line with Justin Wilcox's job security. I think, I think they barely squeak it out, man. I think the Golden Bears get a W. Yeah, you know, Cal scored 40-plus in three of its five most recent games. I think Jaden Ott is a really, really good player. Again, like I said, they have a lot to fight for. I think, and they're in a position where they can't possibly look ahead. You know, Like, they need to win their next two games for postseason, and I, I think they get it done on the road. All right, we will then go down... Oh, to um, Tucson, Arizona, where I currently live. And the this is probably the most exciting game in the Pac-12 that's not Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Washington. We've got the Wildcats as a point favorite over the Utah Utes. This one could go any number of ways. <laughs> yeah, this could seriously go any number of ways. But just with the way Arizona's been playing, I like them in this one. I just think that this is – and Arizona, too, is just – 
it's an early game at 1130, but it's just such a weird place to play. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that Utah, you know, has given up a little bit now. Um, I think especially losing last week, I think their hopes are really in Arizona is so hot and they have so much to play for. I think Arizona wins. Yeah. And the other thing to mention is Utah cannot, Utah will not be in the conference championship. Arizona could be a lot would have to happen, but I think Arizona has high hopes. I think that they will come ready to play at home in front of what will be, I would imagine a full crowd. I think that hopes are high in Tucson. Um, I was at church the other day and the pastor got the congregation throwing up the bear down. So Tucson is buzzing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I think, I think, uh, I think Arizona gets it done. And then we will go to an absolutely fascinating game. We've got two, four and six teams taking it to test on Friday night. A couple of teams that haven't won in over a month. We've got the Cougs hosting Primetime, who's not hard to find. Yeah. How do you find this game panning out? This is going to be, I think this is going to be a wildly fun game. Oh, dude. The, both both lines of scrimmage are awful. Both teams have plummeted, and both teams can put up points when they're playing bad defenses, which is exactly what they're facing. And so, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know. I think, I think Colorado wins, though. I think Colorado wins. I think... I think they're just a little bit too dynamic offensively and Washington's backfield is a little bit depleted. So I think I'm going to go with the buffs getting a road win. Gosh, both teams are such an interesting spot. They both have bull eligibility alive. Colorado's got Utah. Washington state's got Washington waiting in the wings the next week, just for a little bit of diversity. I will pick the Cougs in this one at home, but Again, this is one, the over-under is 63. The public bet right now is on the under, and I just can't possibly imagine why on a Friday night game between these two teams. I I can see some numbers in the 40s from both teams, and I just cannot wait to watch. I know. This is like a gr- this is such an awesome Friday night game, dude. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait. Really, honestly, some great Pac-12 games. I mean, in varying levels of intrigue, Arizona-Utah is going to be fantastic. Obviously, Washington-Oregon State is going to be sick. You've got then games like Cal-Stanford and Colorado-WSU that'll just be endlessly entertaining. Oh, I know. I know. I know. It's going to be great. Um, but I think with that, you know, it's going to be a good week. Washington, a lot to fight for coming up in Corvallis this week. All eyes will be tuned there, especially in the Pac-12 with so much on the line for both teams um, I think with that, we'll leave you for everything Washington Huskies related. Dogman.com's got you covered, especially Luke Munger. Go ahead and text him. Send him a text or Twitter DM. He'll answer any questions for you. <laughs> but, but, but with that, we'll leave you there. Go dogs. Go dogs.